Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Pete Callender here, and uh, thanks a lot for hanging out. I do appreciate it. The phone numbers are 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The email, Pete, at the Pete Callender Show. Good thing I say that every day, or else I would forget to open up my email. Pete at the PeteCallenderShow.com. And I'm also on the Twitter machine at Pete Callender. As I understand it, uh, it is it is working again. Where were you during the great Twitter blackout 2023? Well, I was here. I was on the air. It was very scary. Um, piece of information. I literally just saw this come along the uh, the Twitter machine here, and it is from, looks like, I think this is from Quillette. QZ.com, sorry. QZ.com. New analysis shows millennials are as wealthy as boomers were at their age. (laughs) And uh, producer Bernie, our resident millennial, says that cannot be true. (laughs) Cannot be the case. Uh, Gen X, those born between 1965 and 1981... Gen X is wealthier now than boomers at the same age. Proving once again, Gen X is awesome. Gen X, Gen X, Gen X. All right. I just had to uh, give that update just, you know, whenever I see evidence of our awesomeness as a a generation, I always feel the need to rub everyone else's. I mean, to highlight the fact. (laughs) I kid. I just kid. I kid. No, it's it's per capita. It is. You got to I think you got to keep in mind that as you get older when you hit in, you get into like your 50s, you know, late 40s, 50s, that's when you start that's when like it kicks in your because now you got all the experience, you know, the kids are out of uh, hopefully out of college, uh, they're not living with you anymore. I mean, hopefully, of course, they're not there anymore and so now you're able to start really like pouring more and more money into, you know, you've paid off debts and stuff like that. You're you're able to pour money into investments and that sort of thing. Anyway, no, I haven't even read it yet. I'm going to. I'm going to read it during the break. All right, but let me start here with the uh, the state of the state. The state of the state address was delivered last night by Governor Roy Cooper against a backdrop that has got to be the worst backdrop uh, uh, aside from the U.N. The U.N. backdrop, whenever you see people giving the speeches in front of that green marble, oh, it's just hideous, you know? It's just hideous. It's just a terrible image. Okay, all right, second most terrible. I guess the worst would be Joe Biden in Philadelphia with his, uh, with his you know, dark Brandon speech. Right? He looked like a Nazi. Uh, so that might be the worst backdrop. But the second worst then would be the U.N. Third worst, I think, is uh, the backdrop at the, uh, uh, at the North Carolina legislature where it's just like this wooden wall. And, he, and you're like right up against this wooden wall, and it just... It, it reminds me of the paneling in those 1970s houses. I had I had that. Like the, the all the paneling that went up that wood panel, the knotty pine paneling, but it's not knotty pine, but that's what it reminds me of. It's like you're you're in your 
you're in like the lower basement room or like in a split level ranch or in that, you know, that downstairs den area. That's what it always reminds me of. So the governor gets up there and he says the state of our state is bright and energized with the promise of tomorrow. I have audio. Full warning. Full warning here. Yes, Cooper did that thing that he does, that cringy, over-exuberant, shouty, old man yells at clouds kind of delivery thing that he does when he tries to get the crowd hyped and convey excitement and inspiration while, like, wrestling with his dentures or something. I don't know what the deal is with that. I've, I've been, it's one of the things, it seems like he's in a constant battle with his tongue or something. I, I, I don't know. Um... And I noticed it when he was doing all of those press conferences for the better part of three years during the pandemic when he locked everybody down and closed all the uh, all the businesses, closed all of the schools and such. And by the way, um, I noticed there was there was a there was only one time, one time during that entire speech, which ran about 33 minutes last night, just one single time that he mentioned the word pandemic one time. And it was in this generation has, but so many chances to leave an indelible mark on history that benefits generations to come. And so often our greatest advancements come after our greatest upheavals, war, protests, strife, disasters, pandemic. To find ourselves as state leaders at a time like this is to bear tremendous responsibility. Responsibility to learn from adversity and make things better. A responsibility that reaches far into the future. So that's the one time he mentioned it. And he only mentioned it in passing as like we've gotten past it. So I guess the pandemic is over, right? Because he says we have these great innovations and advancements after these great upheavals, war and protests and strife, whatever, and pandemics. And so it sounds like he's saying pandemic is over. First thing, um, which I'm not nobody mentioned this. I didn't see a single didn't see any coverage. The fact that he didn't mention the pandemic, which consumed like three of the four years of his second term here. Um, he mentioned it one time, he mentioned it as basically being over, which as I understand it, I've been following this pretty closely. I haven't heard him declare the pandemic is over. Not that, you know, his pronouncement means it is or isn't, but I would find that to be just somewhat newsworthy that the governor of North Carolina, the head of Democratic Governors Association, believes the pandemic is in fact over. That was the only reference. And, oh, by the way, if you are, if you were watching, I'm just kidding. Nobody was watching, but um, you will. I, I can tell you, I ran a, I, I ran a keyword search on uh, the text of his speech just to make sure. And yes, pandemic only mentioned once. COVID never mentioned at all, not a single time. So, I guess, uh, I guess we're going to have to rely on a reporter in the North Carolina press court to ask him whether or not he got anything wrong, whether or not he made 
the right decision every single time on every single issue during the pandemic because there's no there was no assessment offered of that. It's just all looking forward, which is weird to me because I mean I understand you got to look forward, but there's also something where I mean he does look backwards during some of his speech. He talks about the freaking HB2 bathroom bill. And that was like 7 years ago. So he does look backwards, but he doesn't look backwards for the last 3 years. He's looking forwards and then looking backwards, but not at the biggest thing that he led us through. So there's no there's no assessment done. No assessment done of the actions he took and how you know schools got locked down for really long periods of time, any of the advice that he took and then mandated upon us whether any of that was wrong or 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 not. It, just no assessment. So I guess we'll end up making some of these same mistakes again. Well, not him, thankfully. He's term limited. But maybe Josh Stein. Maybe he's looking at some of those powers. Governor Roy Cooper delivering his State of the State address last night in Raleigh in front of a joint session of the House and Senate. He called for more, quote, investment by state lawmakers. Investment. In other words, taxpayer funding. It's a redirection of money. That's what that is. But we should redirect it uh, to things he likes. Time and again, overcoming adversity, our leaders had the foresight and the resolve to invest in new ideas that have revolutionized our state, impacting the generations that follow. And while we stand on their shoulders, we also stand at an altogether new crossroads, one that demands that we have the same clarity of purpose, the same innovation, the same determination that brought us here. Our moment to build enduring prosperity is now. And I know that North Carolina is ready. Yeah. Oh, just that over-exuberant thing. And that, oh, it just annoys me. Sorry. And that, that affected whispery yell thing that he does. I know. Like, like Biden just goes full-on whisper. Seriously. But Cooper does this whispery, yelly thing. And he tries to, like, like again, it's this effort to get the crowd hyped. I'm super excited. It just does, it doesn't come across as real. Cooper says North Carolina is casting itself as the leader in the clean energy economy. North Carolina has a claim to every link and every job in this fast-growing, lucrative supply chain. The private sector electric vehicle market is about to take the world by storm, and North Carolina is riding the first wave. <laughs> Do you think he speaks like this to other people? Just in the normal course of the day, does he, does he do this affectation? Does he do the, the loud whispering thing? Does he, does he punch these words in this over-the-top, get-hyped fashion? I don't think so. I really don't. He touted the state's ranking as the number one state in America for business, despite vetoing every single budget he has you ever seen. You let deserve some of the credit for that. My administration. Yeah, you do. Give yourself a hand. Yeah. Um, hey, Governor, it was their tax reforms that got us here. <laughs> That's the reason. 
They overhauled the tax system that Democrats refused to overhaul, even though they said it was a it was an anachronism. The 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 way the system was set up prior to 2010 was based off of an agrarian kind of model and it needed to adapt, but they just couldn't break free of their old uh, special interests. And so when they lost and the Republicans came in, they started overhauling the tax system. And you guys fought it every step of the way. And now we're on all the top 10 lists and being ranked number one consistently. My administration deserves some of the credit for that. Our business community deserves some of the credit for that. But we all know who deserves the bulk of the credit. Those who make up our amazing workforce, the determined, dedicated, and diverse people of North Carolina. All right. Once in a generation opportunities, he says, requires once in a generation investment. And he literally says, from cradle to career. (laughs) uh, That dude. Do you know what that sounds like to conservatives and libertarians when you start talking cradle to career or cradle to anything? Promoting GovCo's intervention in everyone's lives from cradle to whenever. We don't, it's, uh, it, it makes us a little nervous because you're implementing more and more programs. You're growing government bigger and bigger and bigger. And government programs don't ever go away. They don't ever go away. When they fail, they just get more money. Look at schools, right? The answer to failing schools is always more money. Let's pay teachers more. Let's hire even more administrators. Cradle to career. Once in a generation investment he wants. And he talks about child care centers. And of course, it wouldn't be a Democratic governor's state of the state speech without a mention of Leandro. All right. Are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim. He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time. American made because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear, Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. Here's an email from Tim Pete regarding the Roy Cooper speech. His enthusiasm makes me think snake oil salesman. Then he frequently sounds like a third grade teacher talking down to the peasants. Of course, investment means using other people's money for some pet project. I cannot wait for him to leave. Yeah, you and me both. Um, so my good friend Ray Cooper, uh, governor of North Carolina, does his uh, State of the State speech. And he, of course, talks about, quote, investment. And he talks about funding child care centers. That's the from the cradle part. Uh, and then the, the interim step there is, of course, more funding for K-12 education. I know that many of my Republican friends don't believe the North Carolina Supreme Court should be able to order you to invest more than our cho- in our children's education to comply with the Constitution. No, my God. But the court should uphold decades of bipartisan Supreme Court precedent that comes down on the side of the children because that's what really matters, the children. Uh, to quote the preacher's wife in The Simpsons, won't somebody please think of the children? 
literally makes the appeal for the children (laughs) in his call to allow the court to take over the power of the legislative branch and dictate allocations of funding based on a on a liberal consultancy firm out of California hired by Democrats to peg the number uh, uh, for funding. Billions of dollars, billions of dollars that will totally fix education by paying teachers more. And uh, because apparently all the teachers are bad right now because we don't pay them enough. Did you know that? I've always, this has always been one of those arguments that I'm not sure I'm not sure you realize the message you're conveying when you tell me that you have to pay teachers more in order to to get good teachers. Because then that would indicate we don't have good teachers. But no, 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 we have great teachers. (laughs) Okay. Well, so we have great teachers. Yeah, but we want to keep them and we want to attract more. Right. But if, but if they're not paid enough, then the great teachers have left. Right. Because we can't attract great teachers now if we don't pay them more. So that would mean that the ones that are, Great that we're here, they've left because they weren't getting paid enough. They want, it, they want it both ways. This is the Leandro school funding lawsuit that the Democrats, before they got booted off of the state Supreme Court by voters, uh, that they did this end run around the legislature, taking upon itself uh, finding words in the Constitution uh, in order to justify their political agenda, which was to fund K-12 education more and to do it now that Republicans are in charge, but not while they were in charge because they were the ones who got sued. Remember, Democrats were the ones who got sued because they were not funding K-12 education enough. And it was a Republican judge that said, uh, you know, the sound basic education ruling. It's in the Constitution. You need to be providing it. But it was also that Republican judge that said money is not simply the answer. It's not just about more money. And he was really pushing on the local districts. Howard Manning Jr. was his name, the the judge, uh, the original judge in the case. He was pushing on these local school districts, on these local educrats, the county commissions and such. Yes, also the legislature, but mainly at the local level saying, what are you doing to fix the problems in your own schools? He made one mention of the governing structure of the UNC system. This is a topic that has been bubbling up for a while with debates over critical race theory, uh, radical gender theory, DEI statements for employment and admission to the schools, um, and also the, uh, the creation of a new school of civic life and leadership where faculty are like, you're trying to teach people how to be conservatives. But in order for our public universities to stay great, Our leaders on the University Board of Governors and Trustees must reflect the broad demographic and political diversity in our state. Oh, That's why I created the Bipartisan Commission on the Future of Public Universities to propose changes to the way our university leadership is selected to better reflect who we are. I ask you to carefully consider their report. All right. So we need to account for political diversity on the UNC Board of Trustees or Board of Governors. Right. We need to we need to make sure we have a diverse board that is representative of the 11 million people of North Carolina. But not a faculty that looks like the diversity of North Carolina. We don't need faculty 
representing diverse political opinions. No, no, no. Just the, what, 11 or 15, whatever member, the, the number of members on the board. That's, that's where we need this kind of diversity, obviously. He proposed a new tax policy. He said it will be coming in his budget proposal, which, yeah, that'll get ignored. He said we don't need to raise taxes to do what he wants. And being a Democrat, I know what that means. Well, not me being a Democrat, him being a Democrat. I know what it means when he says that it means we're going to use one time money for ongoing costs, which is that that's how we got into multi-billion dollar structural deficits when Democrats ran the show, because their their uh, their accounting philosophy is see a penny, spend a penny. I guess I need to update that to see a dollar, spend a dollar. I mean, just because of inflation and all. So that whenever they get revenue in, they say spend it. And it doesn't really matter to them if it's one-time revenue, like a big check that comes from the uh, the government, you know, with the Build Back Better or whatever plan that they're, that they're pitching. Here's a chunk of money, and it's one time. And they're like, cool, let's hire more teachers with it. Like, no, that's because you're going to have to then spend that money every single year. That's an ongoing expense. And he says, look. We've we're all in North Carolina. We're already competitive from a business perspective. Guys, the jobs are coming fast and furious to North Carolina right now. And more tax cuts for those at the top will stunt our growth when we should be investing in our workforce. We don't need more tax breaks for corporations and the wealthiest North Carolinians. This is such a tired trope. I am really sick of it. You you realize the the tax cuts that. The, that were part of the, the overhaul of our tax system in North Carolina. Like, everybody got those. They raised the standard deduction. They, and that helps out the people at the lower end of the income scale more than the people at the top. They, they flattened the income tax rate across the board. Everybody got tax cuts. Everybody's keeping more of their own money. But I love this idea that Giving tax cuts to businesses, uh, or as he calls it, you know, the evil, you know, the corporations. You got to call them corporations. I have a corporation. It's an LLC. I'm one person. I'm not a wealthy LLC. I mean, I'm a corporation. Right? But, but you say that rather than business, because business has a little bit of a better sound to it because you got small businesses. So he says corporations, and if you give corporations more tax cuts, it stunts growth. <laughs> what? More ta- wait, so businesses who, which, by the way, do not pay taxes. You know that, right? The corporations, businesses, they don't pay taxes. The customers pay the taxes. Whatever product or service a business sells to the customer, the taxes are built into the price of that product or service. And that's what goes to Uncle Sam, or in this case, Uncle Ray. And so the business isn't paying that tax. The customer is. Which means if you allow businesses to keep more of their own money, they do more investment, maybe they hire more people, but they can also reduce the prices of their goods and services, which would then benefit the people buying the goods and services. And then they would have more money to spend on other things. That doesn't stunt growth. It's one of those things where you look at their view of economics and they see it as a zero-sum pie. Right. And so if I get a bigger piece of that pie, then you obviously get a smaller piece of the pie because my piece cuts into your piece. 
but the pie grows. The pie is not static. It's sort of like when they talk about, oh, the number of millionaires. Yeah, well, millionaires, people move into the millionaires bracket, and then they fall out of the millionaires bracket. It's not like once you go up into these brackets, you never come out of them. You go up and you go down. Things change. These are, there are cycles to this stuff. It's not static. He then goes on to tout efforts to expand Internet access. This is actually a bipartisan uh, uh, project. Uh, the lieutenant governor mentioned it in his rebuttal speech. All right. Governor Cooper says uh, getting more people online means healthier communities. That is a direct quote. He wants to expand Internet access because getting people online means healthier communities, which I'm not so sure about that. I'm not I'm not so sure about that. Do we know that it makes better or healthier communities? Or does it make people, you know, addicted to the screen time? Does it lead to childhood obesity? I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I just remember covering the research, what, like last week, where they found places that had rapid um, uh, infiltration of high-speed Internet access, and then they would study the health and what it was really related to mental health. It was depression and anxiety rates. And as soon as they put in broadband the depression and anxiety rates went went up. So I'm not really sure that that's true. I'm not arguing against people having internet. I just don't know if this is a legitimate talking point to sell it. Um, he also, let's say he celebrated um, billions of dollars in federal government spending on all sorts of infrastructure projects. And he said, we're at a pivotal moment with unprecedented opportunities to benefit the generations to come. One of the ways we are seizing that moment is by expanding Medicaid. Woot, woot, woot. Yeah. Medicaid. Woo. I do wonder what Cooper's going to be able, uh, how, uh, how he's going to argue for any kind of new program or service or how to alleviate any problem. Because up until now, his entire tenure, Medicaid has been the silver bullet that's going to fix everything. So you get Medicaid expansion done after Republicans cave, then um, I don't know how he's going to justify anything after that. That was, by the way, the biggest applause line for him of the night. Uh, the uh, standing ovation lasted uh, about half a minute. I'm grateful for our unified Democratic legislators <laughs> and some of the Republicans who have been relentless for years in this effort to expand Medicaid. Oh, yeah. Please clap. And I commend the hard work of the Republican leadership of this legislature for embracing this and coming together in agreement. He then urged... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He then urged state lawmakers to move quickly because the state, the legislature is like, yeah, we're going to probably roll this out beginning of next year. It's going to be part of the budget. And of course, Cooper's like, no, 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 got to do it now because he doesn't want it to be in the budget because he wants to be able to veto yet another budget that he has been holding hostage all this time. Every single year he gets a budget and he always vetoes it and he holds it hostage for Medicaid expansion. So he wants it out of the budget. So this way he can hold the budget approval hostage for something else. Because he can't veto Medicaid expansion, not after he's been demanding it all this time. 
right? So he's urging the lawmakers to move quickly and expand it so the hospitals can get that sweet, sweet federal government money. Guys, finally, we all now agree on Medicaid expansion. We all now agree on how to do it. And we all now agree on what other health care laws will be changed with it for mental health, for working families, for rural hospitals, for a healthier North Carolina, for $1.8 billion that we cannot afford to leave behind. Let's expand Medicaid now. Yeah, they love it. Give us the Medicaid now. We want it now. Cooper then urged lawmakers uh, to not engage, to not engage in culture warring. At the outset of my time as governor, I set a clear goal. I wanted North Carolinians to be healthier, better educated, with more money in their pockets, to have lives of purpose and abundance. And though we still have hard work ahead for working families, for hurricane survivors, and those who feel forgotten and left behind, I'm encouraged by the progress that we have made as a state. Progress that's been possible because we've all agreed on economic development strategies and worked to create a good business environment with the best employees in the world. Now, avoiding the worst of the culture wars these past six years has also been good for business. We worked together in a bipartisan way to fully repeal the horrible bathroom bill the first year I took office. Okay, I got to stop right there. The reason the bathroom bill got repealed in his first year in office, which he is still claiming credit for, is because he told Democrats in the legislature, do not vote to, quote, fix the bathroom bill, or as he calls it, the horrible bathroom bill. Do not vote to fix it. Do not let Republicans change it before I get in. If you work with them to change it, there will be no role for you in my administration. That's what he told them. He wanted the issue on the campaign trail, and then he wanted the victory when Democrats finally go along with the Republican fix and he can sign it. That was the play. I got more on this. I got more on this. (laughs) 